Today, it's booked to film hour, as almost all the films we discussed started life as dead trees. We spend some time with Peter Sellers in what is largely regarded as his final film performance. We go on the run on the run from the domed city because there is life after 30. And nature and nurture. We pondered that question with Tilda Swinton. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. We also welcome this week Tony Howe, who is a temporary guest in our pet ward, Alveston. Good evening, Alveston. Good evening, Tony. You are listening to Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's Hospital in the Isle of Wight. My name is Tosin, and I shall be your host for the next hour as we travel back in time, peruse some movies, employ the benefit of hindsight, and still decide that these are total bangers. That's what we're doing. They don't make them like they used to. Joining me in the studio today are Sharon. Hello. And Sean. How are you doing? Sean, in the nick of time, in man. In the nick in of the time. In the nick of yeah. time. Just sort of like diving through the door, Indiana Jones style. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, That's me. Yeah. Indiana. That, that does, just just start to pick stuff up. All right. Um, we recently threw our film options wide open on this show, and we asked the wide world of Facebook to send us films that we should discuss on the show. Um, the first film we have today is one that was actually picked by Gemma Cook, but it was already on Sharon's list of bona fide classic movies that we were to talk about. So, Sharon, could you tell us tell us what movie it is that you and Gemma have mind melded on? Yeah, we we went for it is I think it's a genuine classic. I think anyone who's had their childhood or even part of their childhood in the nineteen seventies knows and loves this film, and it is of course Logan's Run from nineteen seventy six. Logan's Run from nineteen seventy six. All right, could you just want to sort of like. Uh, draw us a little bit of a picture about what the setting of Logan's Run is. Yeah, Logan's Run is set in the 23rd century. It's a future world. We don't know where it is because it's li- they live under this dome in an unidentified part of the country or part of the world even. And everyone has um, is has a crystal in their hand that they get that is implanted from birth and that just charts their life. And at the age of 30, their crystal in their hand start flashing red. And that is a sign that it's time for them to face what's called renewal, um, where they they move on to the next part of their lives. Mm. But ultimately, you live a... There's no work, there's no jobs, apart from one job, which is to be a sad man, which is the form of police. And everyone else lives this hedonistic, sort of ideal life where you can have anything you desire. Okay, cool. Right, so it's a it's a bit of a sci-fi classic, isn't it? Absolutely. Sci-fi classic, sci-fi seventies, and we're going to play the main theme from Logan's Run, which I will t- I I will warn you before it's played is sci-fi and seventies. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, been warned. There yeah. might be a synthesizer in there somewhere. Th- there might be a synthesizer. There might be some bleep bloop. So, <laughs> but but Tony, Tony, just to let you know, Tony, that as I promised, we will be playing what you said and the film that you picked after this in, a, in a, as a second choice but first up here is the main theme from logan's run Yes, the main theme from Logan's Run. I did warn you before we played it. <laughs> you know, I was actually thinking earlier today, and I was thinking that anybody who listens to more than a couple of episodes of this show could accuse us of having a pattern in which we mention the first film, play the theme, and then talk about how the, how the music was so typical of the era of the movie that <laughs> it came from. I was, uh, I was saying to, to Sharon, it really reminds me of the start, especially the start of like Blade Runner. It goes do 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 do. It's the, the the start of that piece you played yeah. is, is is Blade Runner. Yeah, you know, and it almost, almost sounds up. spacey, even it though does. there's no space element mm. to Logan's Run. Yeah, I actually, I, I think that to be honest with you, I think the seventies kind of defined what space music is, yeah. or what we've what we've come to think of as space music or everything like that. Like in this, even the bit where it comes up with that sort of like you know computer sound, like towards yeah. the end of, <laughs> yeah, which is which is very cool. But Logan's Run. 
So yeah, so this supposedly it should be a perfect world. You live, you can have anything you want. Every room is catered for. The only price you have to pay is that it's got a limit to it. And that is the big price, is that at the age of 30, you have to go for renewal to a place called the Carousel. And anyone who's seen the film, you see all these people parading in their white costumes or their sort of ski masks on. <laughs> and, and this sort of crystal in the sky starts glowing. Yeah. And they slowly start spinning around and then they slowly start being almost levitated up towards this glowing crystal. Yeah. And what we know is that they die. But in in the, that, that culture, they are being renewed. Yeah. Because no one really dies. They just change and they go on to the next thing. Yeah. And then the, all the children who are born, their names are like just given an extra number. So Logan, who is our main character, is called Logan Fine. Because he's the fifth Logan. He's the fifth Logan. Yeah. yeah. The other Logans, presumably, were renewed. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're num they're, so the next Logans, at the beginning of the film, you see him meeting his his replacement, basically. You see him meeting a new Logan who's yeah. just been in, like, the incubators. Yeah. Because people don't give birth. They have this, like, artificial... They have this... They essentially have a farm. Yeah. They essentially have a farm where babies are babies are reared. Yeah, and they're just renewed. Yeah. They're 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 they're, and obviously the population is limited to a fixed number, and so that number can have anything they like. But they just don't have the freedom to have their own children, to have their own lives, to have to know to have anything other than the prescribed date of their death. And and this is Logan. Logan played by Michael York. Michael York, yeah, and he's what's called a sandman yeah. who is their form of policeman. Yeah. And I was thinking when it's sandman, I suppose effectively they're saying like the sands of time have run out exactly, for these people. Yeah, yeah. And so they're then pursuing them. Yeah. And because every time some for every person who willingly accepts that their crystal has gone red and they're gonna be renewed, there's a, a proportion of people who decide that actually they don't want to stop their lives at the age of 30 they yeah. want to see if there's something else yeah and there's this legend or rumor that there is something outside yeah there's another place where they can go yeah I, 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 I did write it down i've forgotten the name of the place where you go to the legend um summit yeah it's like uh, yeah i can't remember it's something like nirvana but it isn't nirvana, yes it's that no. sort of thing yeah. where it's like a, it's like heaven or paradise or something yeah. and she he logan meets this lady called jessica six mm -hmm. who's formed part of this group this all like underground who believe in this outside place yeah it's essentially kind of almost like the underground railroad like you know what happened yeah. used to happen in america where you were to get in the slaves yeah. getting the slaves from the south to the north and essentially like an underground railroad has formed and Logan is taxed with infiltrating it to... Yeah, to yeah. see if he can get out. Yeah. And what people do is when they decide they don't want to be renewed, they run. Yeah. And they are called runners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so Logan, because he joins this underground movement, he's, even though he's only something like 24 or 25, yeah. his crystal turns red. So effectively, he is supposed to be renewed. Yeah, because the, the actual the, the organization or the, the government, more or less, or the yeah. computer that essentially runs everything, artificially so ages him he so ages that he's him so that he is a runner yeah and so he has to run or be taken in to be renewed yeah so he joins jessica six and they run or played by jenny agatha by jenny agatha yeah um in one of her in her youth <laughs> yeah looking lovely <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry where, where did farah fawcett come in is she in she it? was like a cosmetic surgeon's assistant she was like oh, a right, okay. yeah she's it's only it's only a small thing small thing yeah, yeah. she's yeah. like this sort of cameo role something where we said jenny agatha sean your eyebrows just did a little bit of a dance because this is something i this something i realized it. after i realized after all that jenny agatha for men of a certain age who lived through the, who lived through the 70s or anything like that yeah. jenny agatha was jenny it agatha. yeah she was she was the started off like railway children quite mm. this innocent ingenue then she did a few racy things didn't she there, there were two there was also somebody Talk called about. called another actress called Jane Seymour yes yeah, so oh yeah yeah Jane yeah. Seymour so solitaire, solitaire in, in, yeah. in, in live and let die that was what 70s yeah. was it Something yeah yeah that, that, yeah that was seven, that was those 70s yeah. Yeah. so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah for so Jenny Agatha uh, there was Agatha, yeah. Yeah. so her and Logan <laughs> Michael York they decide that they're going to run yeah and then the, the film progresses they have these sort of little vignettes where they have these like, mini adventures yeah. and it takes them to this ice kingdom almost but controlled by this mad robot robots yeah and then <laughs> remember those now they, <laughs> who turns everyone into ice sculptures yeah and then they finally get outside and they see the sky for the first time and they see water for the yeah. first time and trees growing and yeah. things and then they see if then you begin to realize that they're in what was washington dc because they stumble upon 
the, the capital. The oh yeah, yeah. And they look up and they see this figure because they've never ever seen anyone beyond the age of thirty before. Yeah. They're like, so look at his face. Yeah. And that uh, must be look what old looks like. <laughs> yeah, Peter Ustinov. <laughs> and then they meet a, it, a real old person, yeah. Peter Ustinov. Who is is essentially just this old man with a lot of cats, isn't he? Yeah, and you realise <laughs> that when they went down to the dome, there were a certain number of people left outside, and those people, some of them tried to maintain you know the semblance of civilization like they he kept a library didn't he yeah that his family had passed down that yeah. they were kept they were custodians of to try to keep the past alive so that yeah. people wouldn't do be doomed to make the same mistakes okay. whereas under the dome they are just trapped okay. in this sanitized world so but yeah it's a cracking film it okay really so tell is. us tell us quickly why do you think it's a cracking film what what for you think so that's what it's about but for yeah. you what do you think okay this makes it cracking i think for us it's all the elements you've got that romance because you've got this relationship between michael and jessica mm -hmm. uh, logan and jessica michael york and jenny agatha you've got the adventure you've got the there where they are going from this one world into another world that we recognize so it's yep. that alien to the familiar yeah and then you've got the sense of danger because you th you're never quite sure that they're not going to get caught because they've got all these different things that happen to them so yeah you've got that element of danger excitement thrilling thrills spills and romance so what could you want <laughs> and, and great robots agree so who could ask for more really okay. i think it is and you've got a stylish as well the men have these black suits with it, it is stripes. it is a very stylized film it's a film yeah. that you, you know that the costume designers were working overtime on that yeah because the sandmen have like look. this sort of like jumpsuits which yeah. is almost uh, it, it, there's bits of me that feel like the jumpsuits in Logan Run informed the uniform in Star Trek: The Next <laughs> Generation. Yeah, because it's it's kind yeah, of similar. The stripe of color. The and stripe the of color. Didn't they use a lot of velcro? It looked like it. Sort of go it just seemed like they were wearing onesies, but like really stylish yeah. onesies. I'd imagine those little sticky burr things were to cover them <laughs> when they went outside. What happened to the? What, what, you know, they wish to like all the people once they've been picked didn't they go around yeah. like in a big circle like yeah, yeah. The, the carousel and then the they got carousel, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they got levitated towards this big light in the sky that just seemed to disintegrate them. Like, yeah vaporized them yeah but, uh, isn't there like a scene because after they finish the the um what do they call it the renewal yeah. isn't there there's actually scenes of people sweeping up like their ashes on the floor or something right. yeah i didn't watch as far as that bit today but <laughs> yeah i imagine that's in there that yeah these the, there's very few jobs that when they are they probably are these sort of maintenance type yeah. roles they have to do yeah because and i think that there's actually something a bit satirical about the film there's something that, like it's almost sort of talking about us as humans and like you know the way that you know we're going to have this efficiency thing where yeah. okay we're going to make sure that there's enough for everybody so everybody's going to have to die at 30 and it yeah. but you it, want to have everything you want yeah it's going to be a price to pay yeah. which would be the fact that you won't have a long life yeah so it, i think it's a little bit there's a little bit of philo uh, well, of philosophical bent to it yeah. well, how about you sean what are your memories of it yeah i mean i, I really really enjoyed it i remember enjoy it. it's, it's been a while now since i've watched it but there's an actor in it and it's a sandman's mate and i've been trying yeah. to think of the name and a terrific actor he died quite recently but he's been in a few good films a guy called richard jordan oh yeah now yeah he's a face we'd know but not yeah he's a face we'd know um you ever seen june Yes. Yeah, he's in June. He's like the the Paul de Trades one as the, yeah. the and he was also in there was a, a film about the Battle of Gettysburg and he played um one of the famous generals in that Armistead. Oh yeah. He, he actually got killed and then he died pretty soon after making that film. But yeah, Richard Jordan, he's a face. I just always remember he's like Yeah. You know. He's the guy who pursues them. Because yeah. obviously when Logan runs, they send a sandman after him. So mm -hmm. A sand man chasing a salmon. Yeah, sand yeah, yeah. Chasing a salmon because they're like best buddies, aren't they? Yeah, to start with. Grew yeah. up together. Yeah, yeah. I, I think because I remember I've, I've spoken about how I got into old movies because there was a TV channel called TNT, which is now TCM, yeah, Turner Classic TNT. Movies. Yeah. I think in America there's still TNT and it's, and t and Turner Classic Movies. Oh, there's still the two of them. Yeah, because he owns, um, I think Ted Turner. Well, funny enough, yeah, it's funny how things are going around because yeah. Ted Turner married to Jane Fonda, I think. Yeah, he was one time. He's not anymore. Owns like the. Is he not married to her now? Right? Not anymore. No, no, but, yeah. but he did that film called Gettysburg. He actually, and they got loads and loads of reenactors yeah. all yeah. around America to do the whole scene of the Battle of Gettysburg. Yeah. And I think he's got a. And there was a Gods and Generals. The gods next and one. Generals, yeah. And doesn't he have a cameo in that, in so, Gods and Generals? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the beards are a bit dodgy. <laughs> like, you can see they're stuck on. But um, hey, 
you know, it's, uh, yeah, so it's Ted Turner. I think yeah. he owns Time Life, doesn't he? He, he owns a lot. He owns he Time, owns Time, Warner Warner Cable. Time Warner Cable. He, he owns yeah, CNN. Mm. So it's, yeah, and, uh, so, but I remember Logan's Run being one of the first films I actually saw on TNT. Right. And going like old school film, it's like, oh, the, the, the picture doesn't look well, but hang on, this is kind of interesting. Oh, what's going on here? Mm. And actually just following through and going, oh my word, this, there's something in this film. And it's like one, yeah. one of those times when you're young and you watch a film and, you know it's good. Mm. You're not entirely sure exactly why, but you know it's good. There's all these things in it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's though it's good. I've I've just seen something here, and it says Logan's Run remake. Yes, yeah, that's been on the cards. Has for it long has time, it been on time, it? time for cards? Well, they've been, they've been trying it. to remake it for a, there, were, there was a time they were going to remake it with Colin Farrell. Okay. Yeah, but it's 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 actually I think it's it's quite an influential film because mm. I think that there's quite a few films that um have similar themes like there was a film a couple of years ago called the island which is coming up in one oh, of our yeah. in a, it's going to come in like yeah. uh, isle of movies theme and when i actually watched this film at the beginning of it i thought hang on that's logan's run <laughs> yeah. that is just that's this logan's run and i think <clears throat> the whole idea you know the whole idea of um somebody who's part of a system and then gets put into a situation because logan is obviously part of the system he believes in the he system believes he, yeah. ch he chases people down he's like you're gonna get renewed he chases them down and i think the film actually starts off with him as these things usually do chasing a runner yeah and, catching and, a and, runner without yeah with, about it. No, with no no thought about it but when he's put in the position and then he realizes that the computer has no intention in giving him back his five years and it will just kill him off early and kill yeah. him off as a runner then he starts thinking hang on a second maybe there's something wrong with this system and I think that that has like a lot of implications well, well something like uh, Dances with Wolves and therefore Avatar and like Ferngully sure. yeah. and it's and it's so I think like um, I don't think this is the first time it happened but I think in films Logan's Run was actually quite interesting was quite uh, influential in that and it, and as we said, obviously, this is almost like, you know, film to you know, book to film hour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was written by two guys called William F. Nolan and George C. Clayton. George, no, George Clayton Johnson, who um, one of them helped write the film. I can't remember which one of them. And also the subsequent TV series. Yes, I remember the TV series because that was on in the late 70s. Uh, yeah. I, I, I just don't understand how you'd make that into a TV series. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's like an adventure a week. So instead of having all these like five yeah. mini adventures in one film, they have a different one each week where they meet other runners or other people who live on the outside. Yeah, all I, sorts I, of things. There was a like Planet of the Apes series TV series. Yes, it used to be on a Sunday night. I used to dread it going to school the next day. It used to be on about five o'clock, and I just remember thinking, "Oh no, is it?" You know, like that dread of Sunday. Sunday late afternoon. Oh, oh, I mean, oh, it means that school's oh, the next day. It comes up on TV, and you know that you've got to go to school the next yeah, day. Yeah, it's just <laughs> I just remember Planet of the Apes. Yeah, did you ever? Do you remember that? I do remember that, but that series? wasn't my Sunday nights for me. It was always this watching Songs of Praise, Bath Night, Songs of Praise, bath Seven Ahead, always down. Bath Night. Yeah, <laughs> getting ready for school the next day. That's it. Yeah, but yeah, always having. I always have. <laughs> yeah, my Sunday night memories. Yeah, listen to Songs of Praise. Certain hymns will send me right oh. back to the smell of Radox and <laughs> my dad <laughs> brushing my hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay cool thank you very much Gemma and Sharon for picking Logan's Run I think yeah, I agree with that I think it is a classic film hugely influential and it's still obviously the fact that they want to remake it shows that it's still being it's still being borrowed from I think today yeah. it's still it's still being borrowed from today and uh, it's, and yeah Michael York Jenny Agatha it's, it's got a great they cast as well cool 70s cast actually cool, they were cool 70s cast perfect 70s cast Peter Easter Eastern enough shows up to be like all endearing old grandpa like it's, it's we're a good film good mm -hmm. film alright now this week we have a little bit of a did you guys ever watch Sesame Street yeah did you ever see the time when they did like you know three of these things belong together three of these things <laughs> are kind of the same well, one <laughs> of these things just doesn't belong here now it's time to play our game <laughs> it's time to play our game we have a bit of that where we have three films that were adapted from books and one film that was not adapted from a book was actually based on true life story now okay. this uh, that's all uh, every friday i go into our pet word alveston alveston word in alveston, oh, alveston. i've got to find that song yeah. <laughs> i've got to find that song <laughs> so go to our pet word alveston and speak to um, one of the speak to one of the patients at the hospital asking them to tell us the story of the first time they ever went to the cinema. Today, I went into the, the hospital and I found Tony. Tony, this is where you come in. I found you, Tony, who had quite a great story about like, well, he was just a great guy to talk to. And this is what he says about the first time when he went to the cinema and uh, the film and a whole bunch of other stuff. Here we go, Tony. One of the first times I ever went to the cinema. Uh, I went to see the Dambusters. 
My father took me to see the Danvers, I think it was 1957, somewhere around there. Sounds round about right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I, you know, I don't get, I don't get excited by watching films anymore like I used to. I'd much rather sit and listen to the radio. <laughs> right. yeah. As you can hear, I've got the... Yeah, as I can hear the background, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the last time I took my children to the cinema... Um, what is it? I can't remember. Sometime in the uh, sometime in the seventies, I think. I took them to see the Water Babies. That's the animated film, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the one, I think it goes from live action to animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the water yeah. Lionel Jeffries, I think, was in that one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as I said, but I don't go to movies anymore. Okay, the Dam Busters. Yeah. One of the earliest films you. Yeah. You reckon that was the first one you saw? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So, what do you remember about going to see the Dam Busters? Yeah. The, the excitement. Because bear in mind, it was only ten or so years after the war, 10, 15 years after the war was finished, and it was the first big film that had been made about the war, especially by a British company. And it was it was just so exciting. And it was on for a whole seven days, twice a day. Everybody went to see it. As simple as that. Uh, Richard Todd and uh, I think he's the only one I can remember that was in it. Richard Todd. He, play, he played a part of Wing Commander Guy Gibson. Yeah. So was it like queues all around the bar? Yes. Yes, there were. No queues all the way around the block. It was um, the actual name of the cinema was the Savoy, and there was queues all the way up Russell Street. Unfortunately, that cinema is no longer there. That's on the island. No, that was in that was in the Midlands. I, le I left the island when I was a nipper um, because of work, and my father worked up in the Midlands, so that's where we went to Kettering. And that was yeah, the cinema called the Savoy now no longer exists. Been knocked down. I think I must. I think I must be unlucky. I saw the last film ever shown at the Odeon in Kettering. I saw the last film ever shown at the New Empire in Kettering. And they should have knocked them down after that. Is that why you haven't been to the cinema in like 20 years or so? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and those two events, it was at both of those occasions, was a Norman Wisdom film. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he was unlucky. Maybe he was unlucky, yeah. <laughs> I've just do been at the do Royal do Tournament do 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 and watching the bands marching about. It's a, it's a great one for that, isn't it? Uh, yeah. th th those bands are brilliant. I've been yeah. to the military tattoo a, a few years ago. Just, oh, yeah? Yeah, they're amazing. I, mean, all that, I went to know. the Royal Tournament and it was run by the oh, RAF the year I went. Good, and that yeah. was... I bet they played yeah. that thing, didn't that, yeah. Did they play 633 Squadron as well? Yes, no. all, the, all those do 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 RAF do do tunes. It was actually a corking day out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, like, you, you hear that, uh, that's enough to make you patriotic, even if you don't come from the country. Yeah, it's <laughs> stirring <laughs> music, isn't it? It really, really is. And I think it's kind of like what Tony was saying about how it, was, it wasn't that long after the war that the film came out. Yeah, and 55, 1955, so yeah. what, 10 years. Yeah, so for those people, it would have it, it would have been fresh. Mm. It would have yeah. been fresh, and yeah. it just kind of like... The music comes up and everything like that, and obviously the story of the Dam Busters and how mm. it tells the story of one of the most so like innovative, like innovative, what do you call it, yeah. campaigns or operations? Yeah, operations. Operation, yeah, yeah, operations. Like you know, by the British during the Second World War. And I think that music, bomb. that music just adds to it and just it's, sort of says, yeah, yeah the come of it. on, yeah. It's funny though, most of them were New Zealanders, the pilots. Yeah, the, the, the New Zealand squadron, weren't they? Colonial, yeah. colonial troops or whatever troops, the term yeah. was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which quite often I think I we think all remember Guy Gibson definitely <laughs> we don't do. always remember all the others no 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 and um, it's quite funny I think this is going back to one of our first shows when we did because uh, you know I think we did Saving Private Ryan and we were saying about mm. with you know you know, a lot of people think oh yeah the British the English but oh, yeah, we yeah, have yeah, yeah. so many so many Commonwealth troops as well Canadians Aussies yeah. Anzacs yeah. you know so um, yeah and I think this was in New Zealand yeah a lot you know, yeah, a lot of yeah but um, it was there's a brilliant if, if 
you're into aircraft if you're into military aircraft there's a um, museum Enfield yep and it's, it's just fabulous and they've got a whole thing there on the dam busters and they've got like um, Hitler's Hitler's bunker and they've got um, the pit, a pit, the pictures of the actual dams as they were, and then the dams, massive big mm. triptychs of what the dams, what happened to the dams. Yeah, yeah it was a, uh, you know, really, really at the time it was quite big. I don't think it really did that much in the way of in uh, terms of the war effort. I in don't terms think of the it, war, but it was. But by taking yeah. the war to the heart of Germany, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's what, what they were about. Was it, was, about, it, was, it, it? Germany, was it Germany? The Ida, the no, Nader. It it the Ida, the Nader, and the. Something else. I don't think it was, to, but it was taken to the heart of the yeah. occupied ter- occupied Europe, anyway, wasn't it? Yeah. Like yeah. Take that, you Huns. Take that, you Huns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's has it has become like you know a bank holiday staple, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Because I I remember I remember when I first um, moved over to England and um was in school. So I was in a boarding school. And everybody was just going about oh the damn buses and all this that and and I was totally like what Who? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I could see that everybody had just become part of growing up. It's part. It's like a story that yeah. everybody just kind of knows. It's, that's, that's it. I think it was the era. You know, they'd come out of the war. It's been a lot of you know. It was yeah. really all the films of that time. I think you know. There's a lot of the, yeah, film, lot the big of war films that we think of them were all made in yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of fifties era, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. They weren't too close to the war that they were treading on sensitive, sort of touching mm. sensitive areas. But it was close enough that they would be able to say. We did that. Yeah, yeah, we we did that. Be proud. Let's rebuild the country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're still rationing, wasn't it? Right up until oh. the mid fifties. Oh so yeah, definitely. It yeah. was, you know, they were still feeling the effects of the war. Yeah. Ten mm. years after. Yeah, and also, also one other thing. When Tony was speaking, Tony mentioned take it the the last film he saw was when he took his kids to go see the yeah, Water the Babies. Water babies. <laughs> and I saw Sharon. I saw your face go. Like, oh my God, Water Babies! Yeah, I was just thinking. I remember that film. Yeah, the live action bit that goes to animation. Yeah. yeah they, and then they were like so swimming about. I was like. Yeah, and the water babies. The water babies. You yeah. know, we said last it's week about how we used to have films in the school hall at yeah, the end yeah. of term. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we watched Water Babies then. It's the guy in Oliver, what's his name? The guy who played the Artful Dodger in Oliver. Is, is he in that one? Or am I just totally. Jack. Jack, somebody. Jack. Anyway. Or, or, or you mean as as okay, obviously he's a kid. One of the, he, yeah. he played one of the one of the the kids, didn't yes, he? Yes, the Artful Dodger. Yeah, I can't think what his name yeah, was. Yeah, it's Jack. Gone Jack. Out of it is head. Jack something, isn't it? Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I remember that again. It was one of those films that we don't see a lot now. It tends to be disappeared a little bit. Yeah. But so is the book. The book isn't as well known as, as uh, other yeah. books written in the same period. I, I, I couldn't even why. tell you the story to be honest with you. Well, it then is I, I remember I remember reading the book in Nigeria. I never saw the film. I remember, but I think it was one of those sort of like novelizations that was tied into the film. Yeah. Where they so it had like the pictures from the film on the co- front cover and all that. It had like pictures from the film all the way through the book, and uh, yeah, I I vaguely remember a story of of some people running away and some kids running away and ending up in the water yeah. and like they're in the pajamas for the whole thing and they meet these water babies who are essentially kind of like mermaids yeah, <laughs> and they're like a yeah yeah but i can't remember anything up past i can't remember how it ends i can't remember anything else but no i can't remember that either i just remember them swimming up the scenes of them just swimming about with yeah. these water babies yeah and then you're like chimney sweep i just remember the chimney sweep that might be the one you're thinking that, of as jack what's his name that that rings a bell that rings a bell, but but need to need, need to go do that. Nick. Well, thank you, Tony. You've I given th- us homework. Sorry, I think we just need to mention Richard Todd, don't we? Oh yeah, yes, yeah. From the because Dan from the Dambusters, yeah. the guy who played Guy Gibson, who was who was the the wing commander yeah, or squadron leader. If John Mills wasn't in it, then Richard yeah, Todd was. Yeah, Richard Todd, because he was he was a staple fare of. Yeah. He, he was actually um, a war hero he as well. Been, he actually had he been yeah, at D-Day. He had, yeah. Well, he made the film. He made the. He, he was, was in the longest, longest day. day yeah. yeah, he was. Like, and he was one of the few people who'd actually yeah, served. He was one of his commander. Day yeah, in Richard Todd, and he'd actually yeah. been. Yeah, he was. He was actually. I think he was a captain in the in the army. Great, great guy, really. But uh, yeah, that yeah. old school. You don't often see that sort of old school no. actor anymore, do you? You don't know Richard Todd, a typical clean cut. Yeah, yeah. like you say. But uh, yeah, Kenneth so. Moore is another one of the same. Kenneth Moore, ilk, isn't yeah. He? So okay, you've got Kenneth Moore, yeah, Moore, Richard Todd, and sorry, those. No, 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 bro, no, bro, carry on, carry on. You just carry on. Sorry, we're just we're sort of reminiscing. It's quite good being yeah. in the same room because we're sort yeah. of looking at each other. And saying, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all like bing, bing, bing. Yeah, it's kind of like you know, it's kind of like you know, bank holiday matinee idols. Oh yeah, British British idols, British bank holiday matinee idols. Yeah, of that. All right, those the fifties, they're particularly the fifties, I think. 
Yes. Well, thank you very much, Tony. Thank you so much, Tony, for giving us those and sending. Yeah, and se- yeah, Alveston always delivers. Yeah. <laughs> and sending Sean and Sharon off on like you know a flight of like you know nostalgic <laughs> fancy. Yeah. But then again, that's what this show is all it's about. It's like a stream of consciousness when we get together, isn't it? One it is. thought flows into yeah. another. Yeah, it, it does it, indeed. It, it really, really is. It really, really is. I'm going to try and derail that train. Right. <laughs> only because we have a time limit yeah, yeah. of course yeah. only yeah. because That's we have a time limit uh, yeah there's some there, there's some weeks when i just think oh forget about the clock uh oh, forget about that film that's not important <laughs> <laughs> all right cool we're going back into the world of facebook now and here we had another movie suggestion this time for a hidden gem because on this f- show we always would like to talk about one film that's a bona fide classic and another f- show film that is a hidden gem a film that should have been seen by many more people than it actually was and this time it was glenn spires who, ju- who suggested being there this is a 1979 peter S- peter seller starer and to set the scene for being there here is the schubert uh, is schubert's eighth unfinished symphony which kicks off the film So yes, that's from the opening scene of being there, which is sort of like oh, goes through essentially Peter Sellers. He wakes up in the morning and it goes through his like morning routine and everything like that. And what you hear at the end is because it's actually the symphony is being played by a like it's, he's watching a live a performance of it, and he just kind of and it gets to the way it's built into this thing. And you think, oh my, well, this is going to be like some sort of prestige piece. And he just switches the channel and starts watching a cartoon, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you hear at the end of it. Now I'd seen this film ages ago. It was one of those films that shows up on. Remember before, like, Netflix and all these things and the internet, essentially, how they would do, like, BBC Two and they'll do, like, a series of Peter Sellers movies and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I saw Being There on, on one of those, and I saw it ages ago, but I remember thinking this was a really, really good film, but couldn't really remember it. And I think the two of you had have seen it, but can't remember it that well. Yeah, so, yeah uh, it's not bringing... It, it's not fresh, let's no, say it's that. Not, that's it, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah so I went to a, a friend of the show's, Giles, we know because we end up uh, we often end up in a film quiz with Giles went to his house last night to pick up a copy of it and um, while I before I left he gave me his tippings on the film saying what he thought about the film and all that kind of stuff so here is Giles saying what he thinks about being there that's good the book is a really slim volume it's uh, I was surprised because uh, the film seemed to pack so much in um, and I was expecting to have a lot more explained but it the guy who wrote the book, whose name I can't remember, I'm sure it's some sort of Polish name, uh, I think he wrote the screenplay, and he really just kept it, um, the book, which came first, um, really just describes exactly what happens in the film without a lot of explanation, and it's up to the viewer to decide, and the reader, I guess, to decide um, how much of an innocent character the lead character that uh, Peter Sellers plays in the film actually is. Um, so there's no, there's no real background to anything, is just a character who's put into a new world that he knows nothing about, is a total innocent. He's just, he literally is being there and is caught up in all the machinations of the modern world, which of which he has no experience. And it's just about an innocent who wanders into this, this world of politics and of double dealing. And he just blindly wanders upwards and onwards as uh, people are taken in by his... his guess um, by being different by being innocent by being totally without malice um, and uh, people are attracted to him for, for that very reason and uh, ultimately he ends up literally walking on water um, the film is such a, a great piece for sellers which I think was his last film um, uh, and it's such a gentle film that there's just one scene that really spoils it for me, which is when he 
is finally kicked out of his house and he's walking down the the dual carriageway and the music just ramps up to, to some stupid level and for me I just wish that scene wasn't in it because it's uh, the music just spoils it for me but otherwise a fantastic film a must see and uh, like I said one of Peter Sellers' last films say I never did anything for you I just played you what is he, he did say that that's his favorite bit of the film isn't it when that music plays right I think that's the gist of it yeah, <laughs> yeah he said it was his favorite bit yeah so yeah played in the favorite bit of his film but yes um the the film actually I've I just been watching this film like um oh, since I got the DVD from that and it is a brilliant film it is it's just, it's slow I like what he's saying it's like a slow considered pace so like you know how the what he's talking about like the it starts off with Schubert's eighth symphony but then it has this they're just all like jammed in there and I think it's actually pretty cool because the whole idea is that he's the fact is that he is if you're going, if you're going to compare his character to any other kind of character it will probably be like you know Dustin Hoffman's character in Rain Man uh-huh. or or Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump it will be like because he's he's kind of like you know he's more simple-minded and he have this whole idea he's he's called Chance the gardener, and the whole idea is that he's been living in this house with this with this old man. They just keep talking about the old man, the old man, the old man. And the film starts off, and after he's watching TV, like the the maid comes in and goes, Chance, the old man, he's dead, and he goes, Oh okay, and just goes back and keeps watching TV. <laughs> like he can't grasp what that he can't means. Grasp, he can't grasp like what it means that the old man's dead and. The maid's kind of like going on. He's like, what's wrong with you? He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have expected you to understand. And so he doesn't understand that, okay, the old man is dead. And obviously the estate gets shut down. And it's like this sort of like old, old money house. And he just, and everybody leaves. So the 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 maid leaves because obviously there's no more employment. No employment yeah. But he doesn't get that. So he just stays in the house and just keeps watching TV. Then the lawyers show up and they're like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I've been here my whole life. So he'd been within the house, never left the house, never been in a car. And that music plays when he walks out of the house. And you see that in the time, this area, essentially he walks into Harlem in New York. And it's so like, it used to be an old opulent house, but outside the front doors, there's like burnt house, there's burnt, <laughs> burnt cars on it. So that is sort of like him almost taking his first steps into yeah. a new world. So I quite like it. But then what happens is that obviously this is a guy who's actually quite simple. And then it, it there's a bit in the film where it goes to a point where this could go very bad because this is a guy who doesn't understand the world. He's going out into 70s, 70s New York in Harlem. Oof. And it's like, yeah. He, and there's even a bit where he ends up with a bunch of kids and they threaten him with like a flick knife, but he doesn't understand what's happening. And he just sort of like, sort of like, as Jal says, just sort of wafts through life. and just. But then he finds a group of people in which uh, it, the film now switches into a bit of a satire on the people then on like, I think probably on Republicans and people in big business because he gets hit by a, by a limousine and they're like, oh my God, oh, you've got to come in here, you've got to come in here. And they mistake all of his simple utterances and his not understanding the situation. They they mistake everything he says as the the deepest wisdom whatsoever. <laughs> so they bring him into the house and this guy is kind of, he's essentially like a Ted Turner yeah, character. Yeah. He's, he's dying, but he's like a big, he's like a big, big businessman. And I think oh, there's this scene where they're at the table and they're having, um, they're having dinner. And oh, because he, they ask him what his name is, but he's coughing when he says so he goes, he goes, <coughs> Chance, Chance, Chance the, the gardener. And they're like, oh, Chauncey Gardener. <laughs> and so they, so they go through the whole film calling him, they're like, Chauncey, may I call you Chauncey? Yeah. And he's, and obviously he, he's like, you may call me Chauncey because yeah. he's saying, if you want to, you may call yeah, me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not saying that's my name, but they yeah. take it to mean that that's his name. He ends up meeting like the president and becomes like an advisor on all these sort of financial issues. Wow. And so it becomes like this sort of satire, and the perf- but it's held together by this genius performance by Peter Sellers. Wow. Genius. I mean, it's, it's apparently... He was so proud of the performance that he asked his daughter what she what she thought of it. She says, "Well, Dad, um, it was good, but you look like an old fat man." And he never spoke to her again. Uh, really? Yeah, he never. He, he said wow. he went. He said, "Get out, get out of my house," because he and he and he was up for the. He was nominated for the Best Actor Oscar. He lost to Dustin Hoffman in Kramer vs. Kramer, 
and Dustin Hoffman got on stage and said, I can't believe I've lost to Peter Sellers. This uh, I've won. You know, he said, I can't believe that I've I've won this award yeah. over Peter Sellers. Like he's mm-hmm. like he's saying this doesn't make any sense. Dustin Hoffman himself said that. Because the performance is amazing. Yes. It's like if you if all you've seen of Sellers is his comedies and clues, so this is this is something else. It's like it's like oh great performance that's kind of on one part drama and the other side is like the deepest hardest biting satire yeah. of like this rich folk who don't it's like they don't really they don't really know what's going on in the world anymore and he's such, just such a blank canvas that they just sort of like project what they want onto him and then they turn him into this great guru Something when that he's not yeah when he, that he totally isn't but it's a I, I love the film i think it's a brilliant film cool. so i remember when we talked to glenn about it as it's glenn's choice yeah and he was saying i said why did you know when we talked about the different choices people made I said to ask him why he chose that particular film and he said because it's, you know, it's funny it's sad it's thought-provoking it's yeah. all tied up into one and it's this with the whole day it's held together by this central performance that is just yeah a, a career best for Peter Sellers it, it really really is it really is and I think I think that's why a lot of people like to think of it as his final film I mean, there was a he. There was he. After this, he made a Fu Manchu movie, which a lot of people were, had also of trouble. They fired like three or four directors. He got one of the directors fired. He ended up sort of trying to direct it himself. And the I think that film is so people are like, no, Peter Sellers can't go out like that. Yeah. that even even we on forget that one. <laughs> Wikipedia, his Wikipedia page doesn't even mention that. Wow. <laughs> it's like he has his filmography, and the last film on there is being there. And later on, it talks about him being in this Fu Manchu movie, but it doesn't mention it in his filmography. Yeah. But uh, I think if you can find it, I would recommend, I would recommend digging it out and watching it because it is, it's slow paced and it might not be to everybody's taste, but it's just. It's good acting, yeah. It, oh, it's brilliant acting. The guy who who plays like the the rich dying guy who who takes him in and everything and things like and makes helps him meet the president he won the best supporting actor oscar for it wow uh, and it's um yeah but no it's, some, it's some, sometimes the oscars are a bit political aren't they i wonder yeah. if that's yeah, how yeah. do perhaps sellers yeah. you know yeah. they didn't like him because he was a brit or whatever well, yeah uh, they do have some yeah. years you think i can't understand why that has won well the thing is the film ends with a with a gag reel with a gag reel um uh, and sellers was really annoyed because he reckoned that the gag was what lost him the oscar uh, it almost undermines what they've got yeah, it, like, because it undermines everything that he's just done I and see, so, yeah. so he, he was he was actually quite annoyed about it but it, it oh no it's a career best uh, I think I, I don't think I've ever seen Silas pull off something like this even in his multiple role movies with yeah. Kubrick and everything like mm-hmm. I think I don't think I've ever seen Silas do something like this alright so yeah and I think next time I actually wish that we'd interviewed Glenn and found out what he thought about. I think if we can, we should start interviewing the people who actually, if they can, who choose it and see what they, why they think it's such a great film. All right. So uh, thank you very much, Glenn. And thank you very much, Giles, for jumping in. And um, yes. And now we come to the final section of the show or final section of this bit of the show (laughs) where we talk about, it's called exception to the rule. And this is usually, this is usually carried out by Sean. And we talk about a film that, even though it was my, it was made after nineteen eighties, we think this is still a great film and would stand up in the pantheon of movies <laughs> at any time. And the film this week is Sean. I will refresh your memory. Do okay. not panic. We need to talk about Kevin. Oh, we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah. need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> we need, we need yeah, to talk about Kevin. So it, there was a glass. I was thinking. We need to remember goodness. that we need to talk about. We need to talk about Kevin. Yeah, we need to talk about Kevin. Indeed. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. This movie is uh i mean you talk about acting yeah the the mm. the, the child you've seen it i've you? seen it yeah, yeah the, the the lad who plays the child in this is ezra miller s- ezra miller yeah. is scary and he is so good and he is so believable it's probably just the evil personified isn't he yes. really yeah i mean right it's from, just from malevolence. a baby, it's just like yeah it seeps out of him um, yeah and you, you know the story starts off with his his mum obviously didn't you see his yeah. it's almost told happened. backwards isn't yeah, it yeah it's almost told backwards so she comes out of work she's, she's like on antidepressants she's really really depressed and it goes uh, sort of flashbacks yeah people throw that. paint at her house yeah. don't they and throw it and they smash her smash eggs her, and, really and you don't understand why yeah, yeah you don't understand why that's it they're being really really quite mean to her aren't they really and um, yeah so the story is about really this this evil child that goes to school and decides that he's going to be you know it's like do a Columbine thing yeah, and, uh, just totally, totally, like wipes them out. You know, kills loads of kids, and yeah, it's all the, the aftermath. Yeah, just, yeah. He's, 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 
yeah, actually it's quite harrowing really it when is. I think about it now. It's quite a harrowing <laughs> film. I forgot we were going to talk about this. Um, but it's so, I think it's terrifically well acted yeah, from everybody, amazing. from everybody involved. Um, Tilda Swinton plays the mother, doesn't Tilda she? Swinton. Yeah, now there's, she's, she's great, I think. Yeah, Tilda, yeah, yeah Tilda she Swinton. is. She's uh, a great actress, which reminds me, oh, trouble is you go and you start saying now, you got me going off on tangents. There was a, she's in a really good film called, um, the the only the last lovers left alive which oh, is only lovers left only alive lovers left, that's that's with Tom Hiddleston yeah with Tom Hiddleston that, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I saw that the other day but you know she is she's Tilda Swinton she's just amazing yeah she's I don't she's know she's unlike any other actress out there I think she's I, in a class of her own yeah yeah yeah, she, yeah, yeah. she has a bit of a weird thing about her that yeah, just really got, really works yeah yeah she's really weird yeah. even in well, she was in the Narnia thing. Yeah, she, she was. She looked. She looked sort of. I don't know. She's. she's she looks. She looks otherworldly. Otherworldly. Yeah. yeah she looks, looks otherworldly. She, she, she totally looked other, otherworldly. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. Were you going to? Have just, you seen? Have you seen? I haven't. I've, I've heard. Haven't, a, I've heard yeah. a lot about it, and I've heard. A, yeah. And what what I heard about, and it's one of those films. I have a long list of films that I need to see, or yeah. films that I missed when they were in the cinema that I'm still trying to catch up with. And we need to talk about Kevin is on it. I mean, because and everything I heard about it, nobody makes any bones about the fact that it's a harrowing film. Yeah. That it is, it's quite, it's quite a harrowing film. And I think, or we'll play some music in a second. But like, I think that they do this sort of juxtaposition of how they have these sort of cherry fifty pop soundtrack to it. Yeah. Even though what's going on, and it's all of, and from from what I can understand, it's about the. Hang on a second. I've got, I got Crystal. You ready to talk about? We need to talk about Kevin. Oh, have you seen it, sure. Crystal? Yeah. I have seen it. Well, I got, I got a second. I got a second because we're saying that how we're talking about um books, uh, films that are based on books, and you've actually read the book and watched the film. I have not read the book. I wish I had though, but okay. I've um I've read snippets of it at least. Okay, cool, cool. So, what do you think about? We need to talk about Kevin. Um, I'll talk mostly about the film because that's what I remember more. But it's definitely very harrowing. It's um, um, I guess it's based on. Um, events that will not happen often but have like similar events have happened in mostly the American schools so essentially school shootings and school yeah, massacres just, and stuff like that um, just very like tragic and um, difficult events and yeah I think it like handles it well definitely and it just um, like I think what was most intriguing to me was the ending like when you get to the end and it kind of explains the beginning because you do know about like um, what wasn't the shooting it was um, like a a murder through archery. Yeah, he uses bows and arrows. Yeah, if he? there's a way to describe it, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yes, you get to the end, and there's, m- of course, always more to it than you imagine, and um, and it's it's really um, kind of about kind of focuses more on like the mum and son's relationship in it, yeah. um, and just this like event and how it's um, just how she's kind of almost supporting him through it, like after after the whole thing, mm-hmm. and yeah. you get to the end, and it makes it even more like shocking and tragic when you find out what well, i'm trying not to spoil it so yeah I'm yeah, that, to yeah the, i think i think if we're saying, gonna but yes okay because you'd think that the big spoiler is what he did but that's not even this that's not but even there the, is more yeah. there's more and there's worse isn't there yeah there's yeah. Other things that he does. yeah but it's and i think the the because from what i hear it's it's almost kind of like a mum trying to figure out how did this happen yeah. how, how did i raise a child that ended up doing this that's one of the intriguing things about it, isn't it? Because you see her in her pregnancy, how it was like a miserable pregnancy. Yeah. Mm. And then as a child, he was just like this unhappy child. Mm. And he, there's one scene where she's like with the baby stroller and he keeps on screaming. He doesn't stop screaming. And there's this pneumatic drill and she goes and just... The pneumatic drill is like a better sound to her than this child that won't stop screaming. Mm. Mm. And so she like parks herself near this drill sound just to drown him out. And then even as a toddler, like he refuses to like, potty train, and yeah. she sees that as uh, is he even at that age is he being difficult or is it her just failing to connect with him as a child? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's intriguing. It's, yeah, because you do it does take apart yeah. their relationship. There's there's that mm-hmm. bit where they're both sat on the floor. I think there's, there's oh, the, one the bit that game. sticks at the ball game with the ball, and that's like just really just looks that I, I think that's stop. the most scariestly look <laughs> to me. That that that's the I mean there's a lot of things but that scene sticks in my head where she's trying to communicate with him and he's just almost staring at her like she's mm, you know, yeah and you're not sure that. whether it's her because you see her at the beginning she has like this perfect life with her husband they do fun yeah. things they love each <laughs> other passionately they do everything together and then suddenly there's a child and she never connects with this child but her husband adores him mm. Mm. and the it's child that he sees is a different child to the one that she sees mm-hmm. so you think is it is she trying to find a reason for why her son did this awful thing and is she projecting this onto her son or is he genuinely like this with her but he wasn't like this with anyone else yeah 
because you know he was yeah her, her husband adored him <laughs> and he was a perfect child he would like do all the nice things yeah. with dad but with mum he would spill the juice he wouldn't play he wouldn't go to the toilet yeah. mm. he would just be as horrible as possible mm. That's and it. even as a teenager <laughs> there's a horrible scene where he's like caught masturbating in the bathroom and instead of like being embarrassed he like looks at her and he's really defiant and he <laughs> stares at her and he's really like and you're going what a repulsive child <laughs> But then he's not like that with his dad. No, <laughs> no he's not. Daddy's angel. Well, yeah, he is, isn't he? Very much crystal. He's just like not the same child with his both his parents. Mm. Yeah, so it's funny because you get a lot of sort of like father son movies, and even now recently you get a lot of father daughter movies. Father daughter movies. Yeah. But but you don't really get many mother son movies. Yeah. Mm. And this is this is because it kind of looks at that whole thing, and it looks about. I think, and as I said in the intro, that it seems like it's, it's asking that nature versus nurture thing. It's yeah. like, was he just born? Is evil. he born bad? Mm. Yeah. Was he just born evil, or was it something in the way that she raised him that pushed him in that direction? Mm. And did he know that she didn't love him? Because as a child, it was she, he was an unwanted pregnancy almost. You think, mm. did he pick up on the fact that she didn't want him, and is that why he reacts to her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so yeah, so yeah, the, it's it's a film that even just reading about it and reading about what happens, it's like usually when you read about what happens in a film, you go, okay, that's it. I don't want to watch that anymore. I've seen it, but. I really want to see this film and see how they convey this because it seems like it's just like it's so one of these films where they understand the psychological thing, how psychological yeah. way it works, mm-hmm. and then they just use that. So um, after all that, I think I've picked a f- song that appears in the film and it's probably sort of like used to as, a, as a sort of counterpoint to what actually happens in the film. But um, I think we need something nice and cherry. So, <laughs> <laughs> so here's Buddy Holly, and then we're going to come back and talk about what we've seen in the cinema recently. So Buddy Holly with Every Day. Buddy, buddy, buddy. Who played Buddy Holly then? In what movie? Well, there was a movie called Gary Busey. Gary Busey, yeah. Busey, yeah. Gary Busey played Buddy Holly. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's which, the quiz which, one. Where's which, Joe? Where's Joe? Joe, we need you back. We need your quiz. <laughs> <laughs> which, which totally seems weird. Like you think of Buddy Holly and you don't think Gary Busey. You don't. <laughs> you do not think Gary Busey. <laughs> Gary but, Busey is like Hollywood's madman. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, there was he, and what's the Doors film? Val Kilmer was it? Val oh Kilmer. yeah, yeah. Val played Kilmer. Jim Morrison. Played yeah. Jim Morrison. Yes. yes. That was. Worked, yeah, it worked really. Well, then really is like, then is like, he actually looks a bit he, like Jim. Well, he he, he did before he he, did. he put on a whole bunch of weight. Yeah, yeah. He actually did look a bit like Jim Morrison. He did, yeah. Very handsome when he was younger. <laughs> did you like Val Kilmer? I bet you liked him in Willow, didn't? Yes, Mad Martigan. <laughs> There's a film. Yeah, uh, I love Willow actually. Yeah, Willow. I, I really, really, really like good. Willow. Uh, I know. I know. It's become like a sort of punchline of a bad '80s fantasy stuff. Oh no! It's but I, but I, th- I think I think without Willow, we wouldn't have any Lord of the Rings. To be honest, we should we should maybe do um, you know, we should do perhaps revisit the '80s. <laughs> <'Cause>, uh, <laughs> I mean, there was a there it's was a one, one called Hawk, Hawk the Slayer. You ever Hawk seen Hawk the Slayer? Yes, yeah. Lady Hawk. Multi- Lady Hawk. Yeah, they were they were quite a few of you. Well, yeah, it, the, as well. the '80s did seem to be like you know, it was a, there was a whole bunch of sorcery and sandals, yeah, and epics, like the Conan movies yeah. and everything like that. Uh, Red Sonia. Oh, Red Sonia, I remember that. Do you know what? talking about all these things have you ever seen Excalibur yes. with yes. John Terry and Helen Mirren yeah uh, it should be mentioned I'm going to have to mention Gabriel that that's, that's fantastic John yeah. Luke Picard's in it isn't he yes he is he plays Liam Neeson's in it Liam Neeson yeah yeah, yeah, Neeson. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Urians he played I remember because I thought that's, that's a strange name yeah so Urians <laughs> yeah yeah there's loads that's that's, that's a great um Wait, we're going to talk about that. That's it. Sometime okay, yeah. we we'll talk about Excalibur. Put it on the list. Show. We'll put it on the list. Put it on the list. We got a list stretching for yeah, a yeah, couple yeah, of yeah. months. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, got, we got a lot of fun coming up on. They don't make up like they used to. We we are almost out of time. Uh, so until next week, everybody, we just wanted to say, get well soon. Listen to your doctors. Get home and remember that they just did not make them like they used to. Thank you very much for joining Bye-bye. us today. Bye.